electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Live from the Nasdaq market side overlooking New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineup, Guy Dami, Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, and Steve Grasso. Tonight on Fast, we're all over the after-hours action shares of Meta, Spotify, and Qualcomm. All three stocks deep in the red right now on the back of earnings. Their calls are underway. We're breaking down the reports straight ahead. Plus, the PayPal plunge, the payment stock dropping 24.5% for its worst day ever. Is it time to throw in the towel on this trade? And later, the Amazon set up the company reporting results tomorrow after the bell. What we spotted in the options market today that could have the bulls running scared. But we start off with an earnings alert on meta platforms. The stock is plunging after hours as the company's call gets underway. Right now, down 21 percent. CNBC's Julia Borson's got the latest. Julia. Yes, those meta shares plummeting on lower than expected guidance. Now, revenue in the fourth quarter of $33.7 billion did come in ahead of the $33.4 billion expected, but earnings of $3.67 per share missed estimates of $3.84 as Reality Labs costs grew from prior quarters. Now, the company guided to first quarter revenue growth of between 3 and 11%. Now that's down from the 20% growth they saw in revenue this quarter and down from the 35% growth that Meta had in the prior quarter. The company laying out three key factors impacting both impression and price growth of ads. First, ad targeting measurement headwinds from Apple's privacy changes and their lapping a period without those iOS impacts. Second, inflation and supply chain disruptions are impacting advertiser budgets. And third, foreign exchange headwinds. Now, the company also showing stagnating growth at its core Facebook app with Facebook's monthly active users of 2.91 billion falling short of the 2.95 billion that analysts had estimated, while daily active users for Facebook declined between the third and fourth quarter, with 1 million daily active users lost in Facebook's two most valuable regions, including the U.S. and Canada. Now, we are seeing the other social stocks plummet on concerns about slowing user and revenue growth as well. Snap and Pinterest, both of those companies report earnings tomorrow. Snap shares down nearly 18 percent, Pinterest off nearly 10 percent. Twitter reports next week, and that stock is down about 9 percent. Melissa? All right, Julia, thank you. A lot of those social stocks, by the way, were down in today's session ahead of Meta's print. Um, Karen, I'll go to you first. Is down 22 percent warranted? It seems a little overdone to me, but, you know, we talk about the three-day rule all the time, and certainly I think, you know, let this shake out. Also, we don't even, we haven't heard the call yet, and so very often we get some different color on the call than what we get from the release that they put out. But, you know, there was a lot to not like, and Julia hit on most of the high points there. Um, obviously, that 3 to 11 percent growth, that was the, the spookiest thing about it. Uh, you know, I try to think back. There was a time in 2018 where they missed on revenue. They missed on growth, I think. Um, and the stock went down about 20 percent then as well. At the time, it was also sort of under a cloud of uh, Cambridge Analytica and whatever the, you know, PR du jour <laughs> thing was then. Um, so 
to me, it seems like it's kind of overdone, but um, I, I want to hear what's on the call. The thing that I actually didn't expect that they did, they talked about enormous CapEx numbers for next year, but they weren't very different at all uh, from prior CapEx numbers. I thought they would kind of scare the street with very, very big CapEx numbers. That did happen in the fourth quarter, but it, they didn't cite that for for this this current year that we're in. Mm -hmm. So that was actually a little bit surprising to me. I, I mean, all that having been said, though, I think this reaction is it's quite extraordinary. But let, let's hear more color from them. I'm, I'm neither a buyer nor a seller at this Yet. today right now. <laughs> um, the CapEx line was one of the first things mm -hmm. I went for in the earnings release because I thought, hey, it just changed its name to Meta. It's going to spend a whole lot on Metaverse-type things. It would probably spend money. So it coming in in line for the year guy was a little bit of a surprise. There's a lot to not like about the quarter, but I'm wondering if the stock has found a floor. So Karen makes a great point. Let's go back to 2018 because I think it was July of that year the stock was making an all-time high of about 207 then they had that quarter. She mentioned all the headlines they had. And by December, basically Christmas Eve of that year is when it bottomed out, I think around 125. So this is not unprecedented. The stock made an all-time high in August. So in terms of the calendar, it's starting to line up. The number that, of all the numbers we mentioned, and they're all sort of lousy, the one that we should mention is operating margins were disaster, in my opinion. Uh, this quarter last year, 45.5%, 37.5%. You can say, okay, I get it, but still... A lot worse than the street was looking for. The question is, you know, are we in that same type of thing where you have a few months of this stock underperforming? I mean, again, I mentioned this stock topped out in August. It's now February. Maybe we're getting close. By the way, I did not expect, I don't think, well, clearly nobody did, given a 22% move. But I think this is catching a lot of people off guard. But it's eerily reminiscent of what we saw the summer of 2018. Now, it is rare when you find um, so many people getting the story so wrong going into a print. I mean, if you consider the 52 analysts on Wall Street who cover the stock, 42 of them, 42 of the 52 have either buys or, or market outperform ratings on the stock. That's how offsides the street is on the story at this point in terms of in terms of this print and the guide, Tim. It's hard for them to have been in any other place when you think about the valuation coming into this and however you want to look at Facebook, 22 times trailing, um, you know, and now, you know, it's probably 16 or 17 times forward. I think, you know, you're looking at around 1350 to 1450 is your range there uh, on 2022. Look, I, I think everyone flagged the dynamics on CapEx and spend and guys emphasis on margin concerns. I, I think the shocker is is that three to you know you know five percent q1 growth and and i think it's you know we're going to talk a little bit about how uh some of the other social media names have fared here but obviously this started with netflix and and when you get this kind of a, a of an outlook on the next quarter at a time when look a, a lot of people are, are still need for this quarter excuse me for 2022 uh growth to be you know north of 15 percent to get anything close to those numbers that they're talking about so, um, you know, that's the part of this. What, what I heard in there, too, that, that concerned me was just um, the, the competition for engagement and, and advertisers possibly then following through on that. And this isn't just Facebook's issue. But the fact is that Facebook is the biggest and, and there's not a lot of other places for advertisers to go. But um, the fact that they're also talking about the competitive landscape and this seems to be uh, a theme, even though these trends are secular um, and these are the biggest companies in their spaces.
And I think that would be the biggest concern when you when you think about that forecast of three to 11 percent revenue growth in the first quarter. The biggest concern is the impressions. They said specifically that they're competing for people's time with other things, which is not going to go away, which is only going to get worse as the pandemic restrictions continue to lift. And then within that, there is a shift within their apps, within their family of apps to apps that monetize in a lower fashion. So reels as opposed to their core grasso. And if you look at the trends, that's what's hot these days. TikTok, YouTube, it's the video stuff that doesn't monetize as well. Yeah, I was going to say, so we have, we have all the headwinds are Apple privacy still a headwind, TikTok popularity, metaverse spend. It sounds to me like they're distracted. And what happens when you're distracted is you spend a, a, a ton of money and you wind up taking your focus off the ball. We're not worried about uh, congressional regulation anymore. We're worried about eyeballs. We're worried about spend. And we're also worried about the fact that you said this is rare when it happens. We're seeing this more and more with the after hours swings. Netflix, Google to the upside. Netflix to the downside. We're seeing these mega cap tech names trade like they're $5 stocks. This is tremendous. It doesn't do anything for, uh, for confidence, for investor confidence. So everything that we gained in the last day or so is probably out the window. I'm more concerned what it means for the overall macro market than what it means for large cap tech. I think that's an interesting uh, point of view. I mean, if you, if you think about the investors who thought, oh, they bought smart when they bought the Nasdaq dip a few days ago, and here they are, you know, all those gains are basically gone guy. I mean, that's that's damaging when you're trying when you're looking at a market that's that's struggling to find its footing. Yeah, I think that Steve makes a great point in the fact that a stock of this size can move 22 percent in the after hours is remarkable. Now, you know, that move in Google is just as remarkable. The only reason we don't really talk about it in a negative way, obviously, is because it went higher. But, you know, people panic to the upside and to the downside. I think we sometimes use the word only on the downside. And I think you've seen it both ways. What does it mean for the broader market? You see the drag that it's having on some of these other ancillary names that haven't said a word. Uh, Snap, Pinterest, I'm sure Twitter's lower as well. My sense is, whether justified or not, Amazon's probably lower in the wake of this. So the effect that it has on the broader market, given the bounce we've seen off the lows, could make for a really interesting day tomorrow with a VIX that's still north of 20. Karen, we were talking yesterday about Alphabet and, and how positive uh, the quarter was, how good the ad trends were, how good the revenue trends were as a read through for Facebook. And yet that didn't happen. And so I'm wondering what your thoughts are at this point in terms of why that would be the case. That seems so long ago last night. <laughs> but I think that, I mean, it's somewhat of a di- different business. They're not as affected by uh, the Apple iOS changes that uh, Google wasn't as affected as Facebook. Um, although interesting, I would have thought Google had more, uh, a little bit more slowdown in travel from Omicron than Facebook would have had. So I'm not really sure. The thing that's interesting to me, though, is this. I don't know how much Google's da- uh, uh, Meta's down now, $70. So what is yep. the multiple? How much do people think earnings are going to contract such that $70 down is the right discount? That seems it's, this was not a super high flying multiple stock. So that's that's sort of interesting to me. Your point also about 42 analysts with buys on it. You got 42 analysts who are going to come out with probably, highly likely, lower numbers tomorrow. 
So even though I think this is sort of is overdone, I gotta I gotta wait for that, and that'll take a day or two I think to work itself out. Um, but you know I'm long. I love this name. I think it's value. Um, clearly, the price that I went home long last night was not the right price. But this price, I don't think it's right either. PE is now about 18, given the after-hours move. Which, by the way, if this move holds to tomorrow's session, it would be the worst one-day decline on the books. Um, so, so Tim, how do you Not think about cash, this? Not including cash, though. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, how do you think about... Back up the cash, even lower. Right, 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 even lower. Um, how do you think about the valuation and, and what you're paying for at this point when it's not, let's say 3% is what it posts in terms of revenue growth, the low end of that range that they gave. It, do you pay for that? Do you well, pay stock, 18 yeah, I, for that? Look, uh, Facebook's traded at a discount for a reason. I've said this for a long time. I think people have a lot of issues with this company, including uh, just dynamics around the transparency and what kind of corporate governance score you want to put on it. Guy talks about ESG. Um, You know, so this is a stock that traded at a discount because their costs have been going higher. Um, Their product that rolls off the assembly line is your data. And I think people understand that differently than they used to. I just get back to um, what is the COVID pull forward here and what are we willing to pay for stocks? And we had a great markets conversation yesterday with Savita that just talked about a messy market that may you know, more or less be higher um, by the end of the year or certainly not necessarily having to plunge uh, dramatically from here. But, but I mean, that's what we saw today. Uh, again, high multiple stocks getting destroyed while the overall market was, was okay. When you think about Facebook, you think about a company that, yes, it's, it's cheap on multiple, um, but it, we're at a place here where, first of all, they're, they're pivoting very, very hard about you know, on their business into the, the metaverse and, and uh, you know, reality labs and, and some software and a family of apps. Um, what does it tell you about their current business, which, you know, by the way, again, is massive. And, and, and is so far uh, larger than the competition. But this is a question that all companies are facing as it relates to did they have the best of times in terms of engagement and margins? And again, a world where labor costs have gone higher. Uh, inflation is higher, not coming down. And yes, I agree with Guy. This is not a stock uh, that I think it's out of this malaise in the next you know, uh, 30 days. I, I think it's going to suffer through this transition. Yeah, and you got to wonder, I mean, if, if the growth of the metaverse and the, it as a potential revenue driver for the company is there, how fast can the baton be handed off from its current core business to the metaverse? And that's maybe another question for investors to sort of start thinking about at this point with these earnings. Um, are we going to, though, be in a situation where a few days from now it'll be like Netflix, Steve, where it, it's, you know, not a good quarter, not good guidance, but it's value in longer term. You know, it's the play. And so somebody steps in seeing value and things turn around. Oh, so I, I, I definitely agree with that. Where Not that it's going to be not like Netflix in a couple of days. The fact that the metaverse is the growth engine of, of Facebook or meta platforms now. I don't understand what people are going to pay for that, nor does the market now. So right now, when you say it's trading cheap, cheap is cheap today. It could be expensive tomorrow. If, if we're worried about slowing growth, we're always paying for future earnings. So if we're worried about slowing growth and higher spend, it's expensive right now. And no one has any clue what the metaverse is going to be, what it's going to make, what they're going to sell, what they're going to, what, how it's going to trade. But to Tim's point, this is always traded at a discount to the market. It's very hard 
to give something that's traded at a discount a growth multiple overnight. So I think the next couple of days, there's going to be more selling for Meta. All right. So that's not necessarily good for the overall markets. I mean, think about big cap tech so far. Apple good, Microsoft good, right? Uh, Alphabet very good. Netflix was bad, but then value players swooped in and turned the stock around, guys. So how, what is this in the context of the tech trade? I think it's going to be a week from now, although we're going to be dark in the next two weeks for the Olympics. But, you know, you're going to have a headline, you know, Warren Buffett makes a foray into Facebook. My sense is they've probably been waiting for a name like this literally for years. Maybe this is the opportunity. And again, as I mentioned, you saw this before. Karen alluded to it at the top of the show. And again, go back and look at the summer of 18 into Christmas Eve. I will say this, though, not to dogpile on the rabbit type of thing, but one of the things that Julia mentioned at the end, they were talking about their headwinds. They mentioned foreign exchange headwinds. Mm-hmm. I mean, really? That to me, you know, I don't know who put that press release out or who was in charge of that, but that person should be reprimanded because that's a joke. Karen, is it a joke? <laughs> I don't think it's that funny. I mean, it, it's real. It wasn't, it wasn't highlighted way up top, you know. I think the daily active users, that was much, much more important. I think, you know, your point about, Melissa, about reels being less, you know, uh, the monetization there less than some other things. And, and, and the guide. So I I wasn't upset about that. I'm still upset, but I wasn't upset about that. (laughs) All right. Um, We're about 17 minutes into the conference call. We'll keep you posted on the developments there. We've got another earnings alert on Spotify. Meantime, shares are plummeting after reporting. Let's get back to Julia Borson with all the details. Very busy night, Julia. Very busy indeed. We see Spotify shares down about 10% on disappointing user growth projections, despite the fact that the company beat fourth quarter expectations on the top and bottom lines. Revenues of 2.69 billion euros was a a hair ahead of the 2.65 estimated, while a loss of 21 cents per share was better than the 43 cent per share loss expected. Now, what's weighing on results is the guidance that failed to impress investors. Revenue guidance of 2.6 billion euro for the quarter, right in line with expectations, while user guidance of 418 million monthly active users and 183 million subscribers for the quarter Uh, was pretty much in line as well. Now, the stock did make back many of its losses. It was down as much as 20% earlier when the company said on the earnings call that they do not expect a material difference in net additions for either users or subscribers in 2022 relative to 2021, saying that the first quarter is less important for user growth. They also said they see improving podcast margins and they are seeing an enormous amount of demand for advertisers. So the first question I have to note, Melissa, the first question on the call was on Joe Rogan, CEO Daniel X saying that he's proud of the changes they've made and the content advisories that they are adding to uh, to address those concerns raised by medical and scientific communities, saying it's worth noting that both advisories are already beginning to roll out. So, Melissa, it seems like they've addressed those Joe Rogan concerns and uh, are trying to lay out how they see the rest of the year going after Q1. Give a little bit of insight there. Julie, you know, it's interesting because when I read the material difference line, no material difference, you know, last year versus this year in, in subs or additions, I read that as negative, that there's no growth there. And yet that was what turned the stock around. 
Well, it was still better than what the guidance just for the first quarter would indicate, right? Because if you just look at guidance for the first quarter, it would look like more of a slowdown in user mm-hmm. growth. But what they're saying is the first quarter is actually not as important as the other quarters when it comes to adding users and subscribers. And they see all these other growth drivers, such as podcast margins uh, and, and advertising demand. So notable that advertising now making up 15 percent of revenue, but that's the most they've ever seen in terms of advertising. So more growth there. I mean, the stock is still down about 10 percent, but not as bad as it was earlier. Yeah, it's amazing when you can say 10% wasn't as bad as before. Uh, Julia, thank you. Julia Borston, uh, Tim Seymour, what do you make of this? I think fundamental to a lot of these stories is what do you pay for a stock when it doesn't look like the growth is there anymore? Growth stock that's not growing and 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 growth stock that was down 40 plus percent coming into this print. And so um, this has been a story of high multiple stocks that that have fallen here. Like I, I, I. I read it as you read it, Melissa, when I heard that. I basically heard no growth for this year. Um, That means pull forward. That means uh, some of the same things that a a number of these companies have had. Uh, Again, the best of times. When you you look at the quarterly guide on their premium subs growing less than 2%, I don't know. You know, I'm not sure if I love that. So I'm not sure what multiple I want to put on it. Yes, there is some sense that there's long-term ad growth at 20%. I mean, that that is kind of where the world is going. Uh, And I do think that this is a secular trend that doesn't you know, change overnight. Uh, by the way, I think the Joe Rogan headlines have probably been good for Spotify. Again, uh, a little controversy, you know, as they say, any publicity, whether it's bad or not, is, is good publicity. People checking it out. They want to see what's going on over mm-hmm. there if they didn't subscribe. Um, but I, I, I think, look, Spotify is caught in the same vortex as so many other names. And remember, this didn't happen to Spotify today. Uh, this has happened. And, and essentially, you have to look at these stocks and where they were pre-COVID and where they've annualized on a two-year basis from there to here. And, you know, somewhere around 15 percent for Spotify, you know, probably where it belongs. All right. Uh, coming up, PayPal pain. Shares plummeting nearly 25 percent today. So what is next for this fintech stock? The details ahead. But first, we've got more earnings rolling in. Shares of Qualcomm on the move after reporting results. Stock down about 2 percent right now. we got the details next. Not go anywhere. Fast Money's back in two. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got another earnings alert for you. Qualcomm on the move. Let's get to John Fort with the details. John. Yeah, Melissa, the after-hours action in Qualcomm 
kind of wild, but the, the conference call pretty steady. No real surprises here. I mean, overall, a lot of focus on handsets. Android handsets are the emphasis. You got 60% year-over-year growth there. And a part of that is because of share gains in China. Remember Huawei having trouble with handsets because uh, of the action against it. So you've got Xiaomi, Oppo, Honor gaining share. Those are Qualcomm customers, and they're buying a lot of the premium tier Snapdragon from them. And so what you also see, Qualcomm under Cristiano Amon has been talking about diversification beyond handsets, but particularly during the holiday quarter and Lunar New Year, you know, they're short on supply relative to demand. So they're moving that into handsets where demand is high and the margins have been good. But he's saying, hey, that demand is still there from those other growth areas. As the year goes on, expect to see more supply flowing there. I'll also point out he talked about Android tablets and the demand there as mobile and PC sort of uh, converge in that arena. Also strengthen AR, VR and in Wi-Fi 6. So, you know, this is a stock that's been up strongly, not just uh, during the trade today, up about six and a quarter percent. But in the days before, who knows what this after hours action indicates. But at Qualcomm, they're trying to project uh, a lot of confidence and steadiness, Melissa. All right. John, thank you. John Fort, the latest on Qualcomm. It was a, a banner day for semiconductors in general, thanks to AMD Guy. What do you make of this print? I think the Qualcomm quarter is great. Not only is the quarter great, look at their look at the guide. I mean, look at the guide they gave for the second quarter. It's it's wonderful. It shows again they have some visibility. Now you're going to say, well, why is the stock down in the after hours? I would submit one of the reasons that a huge day up in the first place. And I think the market's probably just selling everything on the back of what we've been talking about for the last 19 minutes. But if you just look at Qualcomm on valuation. This stock should be significantly higher than about $210, $215, and I think it's going there. And that's not talking in a vacuum. We've been saying this now for months about Qualcomm. Steve, you like Qualcomm? I do. And if, if, well, first of all, my position on, on, uh, on the chip space is that I think there's going to be a glut in chips going forward. I think everyone's overordering. I think that eventually it's going to be a headwind for the entire chip space. But if you look at the damage that was done to NVIDIA or an AMD, they have not made it back to even the 50% retracement from where they just were at the recent highs to the trough and then, and then bouncing off those lows. Qualcomm lagged for a while. It's a different story. Qualcomm has definitely been leading. It's hitting its head on a little resistance, but the chart is by far the best in the semiconductors. All right. Do not miss an exclusive interview with Qualcomm CEO. That's tomorrow on Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern time right here on CNBC. Coming up, PayPal punished shares plummeting today. The trade on this fintech fallout next. Plus, we're all over the after hours action in shares of Meta. The stock is still down more than 20 percent. We are on the conference call. We'll bring you any updates. You're watching Fast Money Live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. Back right after this. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at... 3 a.m. The office was shocked. (laughs) That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. (laughs) I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. 
like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got a buzzkill on PayPal, the fintech firm dropping nearly 25% for its worst day ever after a disappointing earnings report and guidance. Check out the reaction from Wall Street. BTIG calling PayPal a show-me story, saying the company needs to maintain revenue growth of at least 20% on a normalized basis before analysts can give it a premium multiple. Meantime, Raymond James says the stock is unlikely to re-rate meaningfully higher before growth accelerates, which they don't see happening until the second half of the year. And it wasn't just the analyst community. Listen to what Kevin O'Leary said when I asked him about PayPal earlier today. You're right. I'm dumping it because they suck. It's not often we go back to an after hours, uh, you know, mover from the night before, except that the stock got absolutely taken to the woodshed today. It was also the most actively traded stock in the Fidelity platform today. So we thought it worth going back to. Karen, with hindsight, does PayPal look any better? Uh, well, it's cheaper. Does it look better? I'm not really sure. I think, you know, that abandonment of the long-term, you know, outlook, the long-term plan, that's pretty much of a bad thing. I happened to see uh, Mr. Wonderful when you had him on halftime. That was pretty funny. It was a lot of hemming and hawing, and then you got him to say, all right, you know what? They suck. It's terrible. I mean, that, is, that was a pretty material myth, pretty material guidance down. I agree that it's going to take a long time for the, sort of them to build back uh, confidence among the street, but also... Even though it had come down a lot, it was pretty expensive going into this. And as we're re-rating expensive things, um, you know, this deserved to be somewhat re-rated. It's interesting to me that, uh, you know, a lot of the other fintech companies, a company like Square, down a lot on this. I don't know if it should have been, but Square also is not super cheap. So, uh, you know, it was too expensive for me before. It's actually still too expensive with this sort of uh, hair on it right now. So I would not be a buyer. If you own PayPal, C. Grasso, is there like a, a three, three-quarter rule? I mean, you, you are a big promote, proponent of the three-day rule because, and I asked you this because it's been two quarters so far that it's been massively disappointing. And so do you hang in and give it a third quarter or do you say, you know what, I'm done with this thing? No, I, I, well, I, I think that you have to see these, the moves and the magnitude of these moves. And when, if you go back on the chart, when they were interested in making that acquisition that some were on board and then some were not on board with. For me, it stuck out like a red flag. And Josh Brown actually pointed this out on Closing Bell. It seemed to me that they knew that uh, uh, growth was slowing. So they had to go out and buy what they perceived as growth. And it wasn't going to be a great acquisition. So that, to me, is a long-term tell. So I'm not sure you could just make a technical play on it. This is more fundamental, longer term. Mm-hmm. I think you really have to see it substantively hold before you get back in. Fintech across the board sold off today on the back of this. Um, so, Tim, go through the rubble. Is there a name you think is overdone or is it all just a no touch at this point? 
Well, again, you know, Wall Street has a lot of vernacular and, uh, and acronyms um, where, where suck comes in to be descriptive and, and assess, you know, who, who really has um, re, you know, whose trajectory has totally changed. I mean, look, I, I would just say that I think, um, you know, companies in the mega cap land are, are you know, of a very different ilk. And therefore, I think on some level, if you look at stocks that have been higher multiple stocks and PayPal, um, look, is, is a stock that actually, again, if you if you take it back to where it traded down to today, this is a company that that was a high growth stock in 2019 and, and basically has performed now to this point to today's number as a stock that's probably only worth, you know, a 25 multiple, not the, the 45 that it had. When you look at the, the competition in in, in digital and, and online payments and frictionless payments. And, you know, I mean, MasterCard and Visa are, are, are formidable, Amex formidable. And I think the numbers that they showed were, were actually quite good. I, I think the environment we have right now where we're punishing high multiple stocks uh, is, is one that's not going to change. It, it's not going to change, especially in a world, you know, B of A, as we talked about yesterday, the seven, seven price hikes on the horizon for, for 22. That may be aggressive. Um, but I think we're still trying to figure out what the multiples on these stocks. The fact that J.P. Morgan went from 280 to 190 uh, in, a, in a heartbeat on one, mm-hmm. one announcement from PayPal, whose 4Q wasn't terrible, but their guide was awful, tells you that the street's still behind. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of price targets got slashed, but the ratings remain the same pretty much across the board. Um, Kramer, by the way, is all over this PayPal plunge. He wrote about in today's Investing Club newsletter. Check it out. All the information you need is right there on your screen. Coming up. Retail on the rise, shares of Capri climbing on strong results. Two of our traders are in this name, how they are playing this move. But first, we're getting fresh commentary from Meta's earnings call. The stock is still down by about 22% after hours. We'll tell you what they're saying about the quarter when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an update on, the, on Meta with the company's call underway. Uh, let's get back to Julia Borson. Julia. Those meta shares down about 22% on that lower than expected guidance and also declining daily active user numbers for the Facebook app. CEO Mark Zuckerberg on the call just now addressing some of those headwinds, talking about competition, saying competition is why they're focusing on short form video format reels, saying that reels are less lucrative for now because they show fewer ads. Take a listen. People have a lot of choices for how they want to spend their time. And apps like TikTok are growing very quickly. And this is why our focus on reels is so important over the long term. Now, in addition to reels, which Zuckerberg said is his first priority, he laid out six other investment priorities for the year, including, of course, the metaverse, saying they're looking forward to partnering with many other metaverse companies. He also talked about ads commerce, privacy, and AI, along with community messaging, something they haven't talked that much about before, the idea of chatting with people you have things in common with. Now, in terms of guidance on some of those headwinds, they said on the impression side, they expect continued headwinds from both increased competition for people's times, as well as a shift of engagement within their apps towards video services such as Reels, which they mentioned monetize at a lower rate than either feeds or stories. So, Melissa, we see that stock still down about 22 percent. All right, Julia, thank you. Keep us posted, Julia Borson. Let's get to Gene Munster, managing partner at Loop Ventures. He's also been listening in on this call. Um, Gene, we've settled into a decline of 22% on this name. No bounce back yet. Is this warranted? 
Absolutely. You took the words right out of my mouth. No bounce back because the call has not comforted investors. I think Julie's setup is right. If you just take that in aggregate, what you're seeing is a company that has a very uh, loyal base, but their behavior is changing. On top of that, you have some changes with Apple, the impact of Apple, and also Sheryl uh, Sandberg uh, mentioned some regulatory headwinds that are going to impact some revenue growth throughout 2022. That is a different scope than what they outlined when they reported their September quarter to expect some of these changes to have a quarter impact. And so the, the simple takeaway is that investors really need to step back and think uh, about what this means. I think for the next six months, uh, it's going to be challenging for Facebook really to recapture investor enthusiasm. Gene, no question about it. And But if you believe in the metaverse like I think you do, and if you believe that Facebook's probably at the forefront, which I also think you sort of do, I mean, we saw a similar move we talked about at the top of the show. The summer of 2018, the stock went from 207 to 125 from July until Christmas Eve, and then you saw the subsequent bounce. I mean, I think we're setting up for the same type of thing. This started, we topped out in August. It's now February, probably get another month or so of sideways action. But I think people might come to the realization that, you know, we took a lot out of the stock. They are at the forefront of the next leg of what is going to be the metaverse, and maybe there's an opportunity here. I think there is ultimately. I think it's going to, as I mentioned, take a little bit for this to play out. And just to kind of put a, a further detail on what you're describing is this uh, metaverse. It's still a little bit ambiguous of what that means. Even Zuckerberg says that vision uh, is, is still to be defined. But what powers that is their profitability. If you look at their ad business, they broke that out for the first time. They have 50% operating margins. It's hard to make excuses for companies when they're doing what they are doing today. So I want to be careful there. But I do think uh, the, the facts are the facts. They've got a, a very profitable business that can uh, benefit to the metaverse. I am a believer in the metaverse. I think that Facebook is going to be a participant in that. I don't want to when the stock is going to uh, be rewarded for that because not only are they trying to build this metaverse future, but they're also trying to navigate a change in behavior. And I think when you put it all together, I think they, that they will do, be successful long term, uh, but it's going to take a few months. Yeah, I mean, focusing on, on the real life business, it's got to be job number one uh, for Facebook ahead of the metaverse. But, Gene, I'm curious, you mentioned six months for investor enthusiasm to rebuild. What happens over six months? I mean, do you see revenue growth speeding up? Do you see, I mean, what, what are you seeing that will get investors excited? What catalyst? Well, at this point, it's a stabilization game, and mm -hmm. uh, there's a have and a have-nots with FANG. If you look at, uh, that's very clear, is that Apple, Google, Microsoft, I mean, these are the foundational ones. If you look at what's happened with Facebook and Netflix, and I think what we're going to see tomorrow with Amazon, I think there's this, this rift, and you need to first uh, establish that uh, you're not going to have any negative surprises the second quarter in a row that we've seen that from Facebook. So to answer your question, uh, Melissa says that, that the first first and foremost is they need to make their numbers. That is, uh, I, I think, a positive. I think that that would be viewed as a positive. And I think they're setting themselves up for that. But that's going to take a couple quarters really for investors to believe that this is sustainable because they're going through another shift, a major shift in terms of how they're monetizing, moving from uh, stories to reels. And that's a big deal. So uh, the simple answer is you got to make your numbers. Uh, they're not doing that right now. It always takes longer than you think for them to navigate out of these downturns. Yeah. Gene, thanks. Gene Munster Thank of Luke you. Ventures. Karen, how are you feeling? Are you are you confident that they can they can do that? 
make their numbers? I think they've been well, I think that they've been pretty good stewards in the past. So I kind of I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But also you think remember when, you know, they were they weren't getting mobile. They just weren't getting it. And that was a problem. And that really mm -hmm. weighed on the stock. I think it was maybe like 18 or 20. And then they were able to do that. And then um, Instagram and then and, and, you know, and now we have this huge metaverse change, whatever that will be. I don't know. But um, I feel like they deserve the benefit of the doubt. And I don't think you're paying a lot for it at this price. But I agree with Gene. I don't think there is any quick fix here, uh, you know, unless I don't think Bill Ackman buying a bunch of stock would be the quick fix here. But I think that hopefully they gave conservative guidance and they can beat and restore credit once again, like they have done several times in the past. Right. Coming up, shares of Capri climbing is a time to add to this luxury retailer. We will go shopping in the high-end space next. You're watching Fast Money Live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. We will be back right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Capri Holdings topping the tape on earnings of stock climbing nearly 8% on better than expected third quarter profits. The parent of brands like Versace and Michael Kors also forecasting double digit earnings and revenue growth in the year ahead. Steve Grasso, you must be smiling about this. Yeah, you know, this is one that I believed in since the high teens. Uh, we power pitched it. It's, it's still not getting multiple exp expansion from the street. No one's valuating this where it should be valued at. The luxury brand, first of all, is a scarcity value put on luxury brands in the U.S. There are none, quite frankly. So when you have Jimmy Choo and you have Versace and even Coors is moving up the ladder as well, you're not getting anything more than a 12 times multiple. These luxury brands trade from uh, 30 times to 55 times. So even though you say two thirds of it is Michael Coors, so it should be getting a blended average of roughly 20 times. If you do 20 times on this name, Melissa, you're talking about $120 stock right now. And that's just the base case on this. So I've stayed long. This has been resistance in the name. It's got to punch through $68, $70 to really break out. But I think we're going to be having this conversation multiple times over the next couple of months. And we're going to see a hundred handle on this name sooner rather than later. Yeah, all of the luxury goods so far have been giving us positive data points going to the Capri print, Karen. Yeah, LVMH, uh, caring, we're really strong. But I mean, this strategy hasn't really worked as a stock, which was just as Steve, Steve said, to build a luxury conglomerate. They bought Jimmy Choo in 2017 at maybe almost three times earnings, three times sales, rather. They bought uh, Versace in a very, very expensive deal for four and change times earnings. And they were able to turn things around and grow, and they put up a quarter like this. And still, they trade at the same multiple of PE, the same multiple EBITDA that they traded at before any of these acquisitions. And they only trade as a conglomerate now at 0.5 times sales. So it real, they're, they're getting no respect. They're kind of the Rodney Dangerfield, I guess, of the, the luxury market. They're doing <laughs> the right things. All that having said, I bought stock today. I thought this was a really good earnings report. And uh, hopefully, at some point, they're never going to get a Louis Vuitton kind of multiple or an Hermes multiple. They're never going to get that. But if they can just narrow that gap, as Steve said, there is a ton of upside from here. All right. Coming up, we're gearing up for Amazon. One options trader is bracing for a big, bad earnings report tomorrow after the bell. More on that trade next. But first, 
CNBC is celebrating black history. Here's contributor Halima Croft on some of the trailblazers that came before her. It's a time of solemn reflection as I think about the individuals that risked so much to help us achieve the rights and freedoms that we have today. Individuals like Rosa Parks, but also the countless foot soldiers who risked so much in pursuit of racial justice. I think of my father, Howard Croft, who was a civil rights leader who went to jail on multiple occasions. I think of all of these individuals who risked so much to help us get to where we are today. Welcome back. Check out Amazon finishing the day in the red. The stock is already down 10% this year. And one options trader is making a big bet. There could, there could be even more damage to come when the company reports earnings tomorrow after the bell. Tony Zane joins us now to break down the action. Tony. Yeah, Melissa, the market is currently implying about a 4.8% move on earnings versus the 4.2% we've seen over the last eight quarters. But one trader is betting that that downside could be more than double that, buying 449 contracts of the Feb 11 2800-2700 put spread for $14. And to put that into context, that's risking about $620,000 in premium to potentially make $3.8 million if Amazon uh, drops more than 10% by Friday next week. Guy, how are you feeling about Amazon tomorrow? Think about that. 5% move, it's mm-hmm. basically $150. I mean, it's incredible. It's very hard to be optimistic about any of these names. Thank you so much. I would have said Facebook is setting up great into earnings, obviously dead wrong. And I look at this sell-off that Amazon's had over the last couple months, and I'd say this is a great setup into earnings. I can't say anything with um, certainty right now. I think you've got to wait and see what they say. And if they do miss and it gets down to sort of 2700 that's your level to get in, I think. All right. Uh, Tony Zhang, uh, thank you. For more options action, be sure to tune into the full show. That's Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Up next, Final Trades. Let's take a quick check on some of the after-hours movers uh, in the session. Meta is down by 22.5%. This, by the way, is a loss of about $200 billion in market capitalizations in this decline alone. Spotify is down 10%. Qualcomm is down, and T-Mobile is surging 8%. All right, time for the final trade. Let's go around the horn. Tim Seymour. Well, Mel, Bank of America is not a tech company, and I think bank shares are starting to get their mojo back after the earnings season, as they do. Karen? Yes, Capri. I actually think it's, even though the stock's higher, it's better value today than it was yesterday without this earnings news. I have Jesse here. He's now my therapy dog after this feta uh, Facebook print. <laughs> Steve? I'm going to stay in the same sector. I'm going to go PVH, another undervalued name uh, in the apparel space. I think this one is going to get its time in the sun as well. Guy? I think that Qualcomm quarter and the Qualcomm guide was fantastic. I know the stock is lower. I'm not sure it's going to be lower for much longer. Qualcomm on valuation. Mad Money starts right now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 